Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. WWE is a better product under Triple H than it was before Vince McMahon resigned in disgrace. It is! What can I tell you? That said, this won't be some gushing, hyperbolic, celebratory video about how the game has saved the entire industry or anything. Paul Levesque is just another freakishly wealthy man booking shows, as evidenced by some early warning signs that should remind anybody invested in the game's rebuild to approach with caution. So with all that in mind, Gareth here from What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 red flags for the future of Triple H's WWE. WWE. Number 10, the Clash at the Castle detail nobody cared about at the time. Clash at the Castle had just about everything. An awesome stadium-sized crowd, a host of excellent contests including one nailed-on match of the year contender, and a lovely mix of what an idealized version of WWE should strive to always be as a live viewing experience. But WWE is still WWE no matter which McMahon family member holds the power. It wasn't even that apparent until the main event made the bold but correct call to have Roman Reigns defeat home nation's challenger Drew McIntyre, but elsewhere the card featured zero title changes, heels winning all but two matches, and a heel turn at the climax of one of those. Dominic Mysterio's switch ruled actually, but the main message was that even in a dreamlike state of satisfaction, WWE's default will always be to keep supplying platefuls of crap. As the first heel to retain his championship at WrestleMania having turned heel on the show one year earlier, there's a strong chance Hunter believes in this more than Vince McMahon himself actually. Now there's a scary thought. Number 9. Everything that sucked about the Miz and Dexter Loomis' story. This entry is not strictly a burial of either man, but the fact that neither have cage match profiles loaded with stars doesn't exactly help. Loomis was one of the odder reintroductions from the latter days of Triple H's dilapidated version of NXT. His return amidst a slew of others classified him as a kayfabe outsider to the company, and a run with Miz has since revealed that the A-lister was trying to keep something secret that Dexter and now Johnny Gargano and now all of us unfortunately know. But the first attempt at their match was a bait and switch and everything since has reduced Gargano to playing a jumped up little a-hole and Tommaso Ciampa to injured odd man out. The secret would apparently cancel Miz, which is something WWE historically don't handle well either. And surprise surprise, the latest sit-down tell-all revelation didn't exactly set the world on fire. This, to quote Chris Jericho in 2019, is a stupid idea by bad creative. Number 8, impromptu matches are still the norm more than the exception. An edition of Raw or SmackDown is supposed to be a live emulation of a sporting show that 
ultimately becomes an entertainment one due to the wins and losses not being on the up and up. A silent contract between audience, performers and promotion has existed to support this in the decade since kayfabe was shattered. And at a fundamental level, that is why matches out of nowhere from the spontaneous decisions made by an authority figure or dreamt up by the wrestlers themselves simply should not exist. The October 24th Monday Night Raw had one match announced for the bulk of the week before the broadcast. And even that had been carefully disguised as a non-title one. This is unacceptable. Number 7. The women's division quick fixes have not worked. The list of women that have been added to the talent pool since Triple H took over is long and it was necessary, wasn't it? After surveying the rosters on both shortly before Vince McMahon resigned in disgrace. But simply filling television time with the performers isn't the solution. And there's absolutely still time for him to actively work at this problem rather than just paper over the cracks. But early signs are not great. Damage Couture have mostly just been in a rotational war with Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss and Asuka since returning. And decent matches playing to virtual silence are evidence of the wider disconnect with crowds. On SmackDown, Ronda Rousey's awkwardly skipped back and forth between heel and babyface due to a useless SummerSlam match finish, and that show's list of credible contenders is wafer thin too. There was more to do than perhaps even he realised. But at what point exactly will he actually weave some of that much-needed 2014-2015 magic, eh? Number 6. The Matt Riddle Reset Matt Riddle's feud with Seth Rollins should have been the perfect example of WWE once again functioning in the way wrestling companies are, you know, supposed to. Rollins was coming off the back of an epic trilogy with Cody Rhodes, Riddle got Triple H in the hot seat at just the right time, got his first name back, and got a big win at Extreme Rules in a match not awesome enough to be epic, but not bad enough to undermine months of otherwise excellent work. And after that, well, bongos with Elias and the stoner too stupid to realise that yet another partner is almost definitely going to turn on him. It's Survivor Series season, which is really Road 2, the Road to WrestleMania season, and one of Tripp's biggest projects of the summer should be moving onwards and upwards rather than just spinning his damn wheels. Number 5. The Match Lengths on Extreme Rules Ronda Rousey should have dispatched of Liv Morgan in half the 12 minutes it took her, and maybe would have if she'd been permitted to do more fun weapon stuff than gently swing a bat that she was evidently worried might actually connect. Finn Balor and Edge's I Quit Snoozer got great in the last five minutes, but that didn't excuse the 24 that came before it. And Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre's strap match going 10 minutes 20 seconds is itself the new greatest mystery in wrestling. This was all vintage Triple H stuff, mind. Takeovers became long and overindulgent too, so it's probably worth him reflecting on what else beyond AEW brought his golden era NXT's momentum to a screeching halt. Stuff like this. It was stuff like this. Number 4. Everything that happened to NXT in the end Everything that NXT once stood for was bastardized and broken by the time a necessary 2.0 makeover took place. Overexposure and overindulgence were common complaints of the weekly show from mid-2019 onwards. As attempts to book dependable episodic television were undermined by panicking through weekly ratings defeats. But when the pandemic struck six months into the war, the gap between the two shows somehow widened even further. WWE and especially NXT tried first and no sell the circumstances, before leaning into cartoonish nonsense, underthought average matches, and lashings and lashings of grit and grime. It was the polar opposite of what people wanted or needed, for that matter. All produced by people refusing to believe there was actually a problem in the first place. The Capitol Wrestling Center doubled down on the issues while pretending it was re-establishing identity, but whatever black and gold had once been was now long, long lost. Number 3. Borrowing bad stuff as well as good Hunter has surveyed the television travel schedule and made smart booking choices centered around what might pop local crowds. He's loaded up WWE with stables to facilitate feuds without burning out the key components or live audiences on the pair themselves. And he's brought lots of familiar faces out to big reactions to ensure there'll be discourse the morning after. 
but already he might be leaning into the excessive side of Tony Khan's tropes. Chad Gable was brutalized in his hometown in a way not dissimilar to how Vince McMahon might have booked it. Stables aren't also a shortcut to success, as is being proven by Hit Row and the tepid reaction to Damage Control's bland story, and especially as relates to the deluge of debuts. Number two, there's an expiration date on all the returns. And we're at it now. Triple H has brought back or re-debuted so many former faces and heels in his short time atop WWE that it's becoming easier to forget one when reeling off the list. The pops generated by Dakota Kai and Io Sky's respective returns and call-ups at SummerSlam feel longer than just three months ago. And perhaps that's something to do with Hunter getting high on his own supply, eh? Bray Wyatt's comeback was an unqualified and objective success, but already at week three at time of recording in this bold new direction, things feel troublingly familiar with the character. WWE is still some way from Big Demo and Johnny Elite's AEW cameos feeling like they never even happened, but that doomed destination often arrives before it's too late to reverse the hearse. Number 1. Johnny Gargano's main roster run so far What on earth is going on here? Johnny Gargano's decision to re-sign with WWE after stepping away in December 2021 looked incredibly shrewd when he appeared as a surprise on the August 22nd edition of Monday Night Raw, not least due to several high-profile former colleagues making up a sizable part of the All Elite Wrestling roster. But as that show looked increasingly bloated, a newer, fresher Raw looked lean by comparison. As did Gargano, who returned from dad bod exile in amazing physical condition, and with what looked like an earnest desire to live his next Shawn Michaels dream of being a smaller guy making it all the way to WWE's apex. Why then is he being made to suffer the undignified barriers of old? Grinning along with the Dexter Loomis Miz story and dancing around in JBL's cowboy hat, Gargano's coming across like the insufferable D-head that Vince McMahon would have loved. This is all scanning as a stupid WWE test he has to pass before he can get on with the job of being likable and winning belts. Triple H knows this. He made him funny as a heel after making all the money with him as a babyface. A fix now will solve it. But why again did they have to do the bad thing by comparison first? 